Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to Wednesdays with Wombat with your host, Toby McKinnon. Welcome back to Trot's Life and we are about to take a trip back in time with Barry Delaney. Barry, firstly, mate, uh, how are you today and whereabouts are you? Oh, hi, Toby. Um, I'm at home, actually, enjoying the sun. Very good, mate. Uh, I'm at home, too. It's a beautiful sunny day here in the Yarra Valley, let me tell you. (laughs) No, it's lovely, yeah. Take us take us back to a home of yours uh, a couple of years ago now, Barry, as you grew up in South Australia and your father and grandfather were both harness racing trainers. Yeah, that's correct. My grandfather was a harness racing trainer. He um, he had, I don't, I don't think he had, a, it was before, well before I was born, I don't think he had a huge team of horses, but he, he um, had trotters um, and um, actually he died with a, from an accident with a trotter he was um he'd worked the horse in the morning and we had hosed the horse down and was scraping the horse off and he got around the horse's head and it threw its head sideways and collected his head and put him down on the ground and he went inside to my grandmother and sat down to have a cup of tea and just collapsed off the chair and was in a coma for i think about two weeks and then passed away after that they they sold the horses and that's what sort of got my dad into stewarding from there. Yeah, okay. So how old was mm. your dad at this stage? Oh, he would have been, I assume, mid to late 20s. It was about yeah. uh, about three or four months before my older sister was born. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, that yeah. would have been a, a big a big tragedy in the family at the time. and. It, and yeah. and that was half the inspiration you think for your dad getting out of being handling the horses and and working for the trotting control board in South Australia at the time as a steward. Probably, probably he he was actually working for a actually his full time job I think at the, that stage was with a Holden dealer um, in Adelaide when they had those sort of things, um, and he. <laughs> yeah. um, was uh, he was driving horses in his part time? He actually drove his first ever race drive at Waverley. Drove a winner, so that was something he always hung his hat on. And then he um, he was offered a position as a part time steward, and I think it all just sort of roller coasted from there. So he's a part time steward, and then you get to about the age of twenty, and you've got a bit mm-hmm. of interest in harness racing. Do you do you become a participant at the age of twenty and start driving, and maybe drive your first winner at Waverley, or do you think, well, I can get I can get a check each week if I go into a yeah. career in stewarding? Yeah, that, actually, that's the way I was thinking, and in fact, that's the that's the advice my father gave me. I've been yeah. working. 
I got a job at the Trotting Control Board as they were then and I'd worked there for about three and a half years as a clerk in the, in various departments, the registration and the uh, various departments in there and we had a couple of part-time stewards left to go to WA and um, my father was actually, by that stage, he'd been appointed chairman of stewards, he'd been a part-time steward for many years and um, he, was, uh, he asked me if I'd just come along to the races and help out uh, because, as, as I say, they were very short at that time, and one thing led to another, and I enjoyed it, and I was about 20 by that stage, and I thought, well, this will do me. Um, I'll get a full-time full-time job with a full-time wage. Why not have a go at this? And, and the rest was history. <laughs> the rest was history. A few years later, you've probably... Yeah. Uh, set, like, the number of races you would have seen and stewarded on, it'd be unfathomable if you had them up, but we're not going to do it. We're not going to do no. it now. But, it, like, just that journey you've been on over the years, and probably in many regards a lot has changed and also not much has changed, if that makes sense. Yeah, a lot has changed. I mean, you had the days of, of um, your spoked wheels without wheel discs. Well, I think from, I can't remember the dates when those sort of things came in, wheel discs and that, but I... It was during, during my younger years, obviously, but things like running rails and the, the innovation yeah. of marker pegs instead of running rails was the greatest safety yeah. factor that I've ever seen in harness racing. It, it really, well, it obviously would have saved lives. Yeah, 100% it would have saved um, lives. I know yeah. I know an uncle of mine, Stanley Messenger in Adelaide, or my dad, he was my dad's uncle, my great uncle, he had a crash one night at Gawler and went through the running rail, the wooden running rail, and cracked, uh, broke about four or five ribs, as well as shoulders and things like that, and all due to the wooden running rail. You know, and, and we've just had so many bad accidents over the years with the running rails. But now, thank goodness, with the way the tracks are designed and the, and the pegs and the gaps between the pegs, and, and, you know, we don't get those sort of falls, thank goodness. Yeah, thank goodness. And... Take yeah. us back. I've got a few memories for you. There was a, there was a trotter yeah. went over to South Australia and had its first start over there called Mary's oh, Idol, yeah. and you just you Mary's just happened Idol. you happened to be working as a steward for its first start. Take us through it. Actually, I think it was before I started. To be honest, I think Dad was yeah, okay. working that night, and I and I was I went I used to go to the trots with him all the time, and and Mary's Idol. He was just phenomenal. Uh, he's the best harness horse I've ever seen. Uh, and yeah. purely for the fact that he beat the best paces of the time, which doesn't happen now, of course, because of the way, the speed they're going. Um, he, 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 I don't know whether he missed the start or gallop shortly after and, and gave them probably almost the length of the straight start and, and won the race. And I always remember Dad driving home. I think he was a three-year-old then and, Dad always said, "We've just seen, we've just seen a future champion, and little did we know that he was probably going to be the best trotter. Well, in my opinion, anyway, the best trotter that I ever saw." Your dad didn't stand him down for a couple of trials or anything like that. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, I think he probably just worked on the panel then. But oh, in those days, um, you know, as you know, back in those days, horses gallop for fun. Um, yeah. But these days, the trotters are so well-bred and so well-gated. And that, I just think that the trotters especially have improved leaps and bounds in, in especially the last 10 years or so. Now, I know there's, there's something you've mentioned to me a few times, right? And uh, I, I've got a plan of doing three or four chats with stewards over the next month. And I'm going to work into a series of... Uh, 
going back to Inter Dominion series, and one of those Inter Dominion series I'm going to go back to and do a whole show on will be the 1985 Inter Dominion. And I've heard you speak about yeah. that day or that night at Mooney Valley, and and it must have been a very special occasion. And it's it obviously lives yeah. strongly in your memory. It does. I mean, I I spent two previous years between '82 to '84 in Perth, and I'd seen a horse called Placey Valley coming through the through the ranks, and I remember coming to coming back to Melbourne at the end of '84, and um, when the end of Dominion came up, then Placey Valley obviously got better and better and better, and he was coming across, and and those times you sort of you didn't really hear of many horses from interstate, or especially WA more than anywhere else, because you had the New South Wales horses, your pale-faced adioses and your don't retreats and Hondo Grattans and all those. We all <laughs> knew them, but the Perth horses were probably a little bit more um, less known, and, and this horse was just a freak. He was a freak of a horse, and he, he came over, and, and as you know, the rest was history there. He just donkey-licked the field, and... and, um, and um, I mean, a pretty good horse ran second to him that night, a horse called Village Tid. And uh, yeah. he turned out to be a champion himself. And, and you know, from there, Pro Chevalier, he didn't race that much, I suppose. But, gee, when he did race, he was he was an incredible horse. We just heard you, you – we started in South Australia and we just heard you, your little trip to Perth and come back to Melbourne – we missed a little bit. Yep. Uh, my apologies. Uh, what was the trip to? Why did you move to Melbourne at the time? And uh, was it about a stallion jumping the fence? Sort of, sort of. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I've met a, I've met a young lady. Monica became my wife later on, and we've had plenty of. We had um, some terrific years here. Uh, we were only together for probably twelve months before we went to Perth for those two years, and been together ever since and it's just been a wonderful that's been the best trip i've ever had i suppose being with being with her not enjoying and, the best of health at the moment but yeah you know we'll get there and three three progeny as well yes blake trent and callum three of the most wonderful boys you'd ever meet and uh, they've all been fantastic and blake was born in perth and the other two were born here so i haven't got a south australian amongst them but um the blood, the South Australian bloodline, still flowing through them, though. Um, yeah, so very proud of my boys. Yes, we might take a little break on that note. Barry will come back, and I've got a few more little uh, quirky questions for you. We might touch on a few other really good horses that you've seen across the journey as well. Thanks, Toby. You're listening to Wednesdays with Wombat on SEN Track with Toby McKinnon. She's always worried about things like that. Welcome back to Trot's Life. Toby McKinnon with HRV Stewart and legend of the sport, Barry Delaney. Barry, there's something I've got in my notes here plane trips and it takes my mind back to hearing stories from say Alain Baker about uh, a group of bookmakers and punters taking a plane to Naya for the Naya trots and I've got this vision of the stewards doing a similar thing in the 80s tell, tell us a bit about going to say Naya trots in the 80s or whatever wherever the place was and taking a plane there and and, and some of those times actually I remember 
clearly um, it was a trip probably might have been late 90s around 2000 myself uh, the late John Wilson uh, Lee Kirby we were on a plane going to Naya and <laughs> there was a massive storm coming down from the north of Victoria and across the state or probably the, the west of Victoria and across the what, state and we got to what sort of plane so, Barry are we talk we're talking a big 200 seater <laughs> no we're talking about a six seater yeah and, yeah, and with two yeah. engines I, I always I always said if one turns up with a single engine there's no way I'm going but um, <laughs> we got to Mangalore I think it was and we had to land at Mangalore because of the the roof of the Swan Hill Airport had been blown off in the storm, oh, dear. which was really, really comforting. Um, <laughs> so we were speaking to, I think from memory then, Richard King was the CEO at the time, and and um, we spoke to him on the phone, and the decision was made to come back. Um, so we came back, and we headed back to Essendon, and as we were coming towards Essendon, you could see the big black sky heading towards Essendon, and we finally got back there and landed. And... Then the pilot had to make another decision as to whether he was heading back to Moorabbin, where Lee Kirby and myself had our cars. We always, because we lived in the southern suburbs, we, we always went to Moorabbin. And on the way back to Moorabbin, I've never been so frightened in my life. I mean, the, the lightning was going through the wings and the plane was actually up on its side, flipping back and forwards and back and forwards. And we finally got in. He, he, he went around the bay and finally came into Moorabbin and landed. And I, I think we both got out and kissed the ground when we got out. And that was probably one of the worst flights I'd ever been on. It was just so frightening. Um, yeah, so I, just, I was never a good flyer. I, I just I hated flying. Um, was always happy to drive anywhere. I, I'd drive 1,000 k's rather than fly 100 k's. Hello? Not sure what uh, what's going on here. Sorry, Barry. Apologies for that. We might I don't have, know. No, I've just lost. I've we just, might have lost, just lost everything. Uh, we might have lost Toby That's there. That's all right. My uh, my oh, lost Toby. <laughs> sincere apologies for that. I was just uh, grabbing right. something, no, grabbing something off the fault. printer myself. Now <laughs> it's not your fault. It, it's, it's the second fault. second time it's happened today that we've lost Toby. Oh, but, oh, okay. but we've got him back, he, which is he, great. Oh, he's back. It's not. Yep. I don't know what the codex done. has done you, something there. You're you're you kicking again. the court out again, Tobes? No, no. Yeah. I think Mum's boiling the kettle again on me. Unfortunately. Now, uh, I understand yeah. uh, you I wouldn't be too keen on getting, I'm not, I'm not getting sure on where planes after that. Yeah, I'm not sure where we're up to. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we got all the plane story. I'm not going to ask you for another plane story. That one was certainly not no. plane at all. There were plenty uh, of them. What? There were plenty of them. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Barry, relationships with trainers and drivers as a steward and... Yeah. You're just so well respected by everybody, and it's like you've got friendships with them, but it's it's not really a friendship any further than, of course, race days. But there's such a such a yeah. respect towards you, and and it's obviously from your professionalism. Just just take us through a bit about that, because I think there's an in that for everybody in life. I was always taught, Toby, when I was young by my father, that you must earn respect, not demand respect. Um, and as a steward, I, I always tried to treat people with respect. And, and Dad always taught me that 
you know, whenever you're going to suspend or fine someone, make sure you're doing the right thing because it's their livelihood you're taking away, not yours. Yeah. And I've always tried to work under that premise. I know a lot of people thought, you know, that was a, a, a not the right way to do it, but you should be more like a, I shouldn't say a policeman, but it, 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 you know, you're there to police the sport, of course. But, um, you know, I always thought if someone crosses the line, well, then you deal with it. And until they do, um, we should all get on because we're all in the same business. But it's like you're a mentor as well to a lot of these young drivers. And, you know, there's, there's, they're coming through, they're, they're learning the sport. Everybody makes mistakes as they're learning things. There's no doubt about it. But mm. is there an element of mentoring them as they come through now? Particularly, you're, such, you're so senior and got so much experience. Oh, there is, there is, and and I, I always say it's it's sometimes better to speak someone under the tree, so to speak, than drag them into the steward's room and you get the same result. Um, sometimes it's you speak to someone in their own environment, they're more comfortable. So I've sometimes done it in a parade ring, you know, when you you have the the first five come in for the all clear, you might just chip someone there for being a little bit tight on somebody, or you know, but things of that. Because I always remember the first chairman I ever had in Victoria, a steward named Matt Kelly. He said to me, the first day I ever worked, he said, um, if you're going to bring someone in the steward's room, you bring them in to find them or suspension, suspend them. He said, otherwise speak to them outside. And I've probably always remembered that. Yeah, that ma- yeah, makes sense. Ta- what, what about a few mm. of the other really good horses you've seen over the journey, you know? In the last 40 years, been a lot of good horses, Poppier Arms, Golden Rain, Shaker Makers, Lenny the Sharks, Blacks are Fake, or is it sometimes oh, just a, yeah. a maiden at Cranbourne where, you know, a, a trainer or driver has their first win like Annalise Scott the other day on, on Chief Running Cloud? Well, are they those bigger highlights yeah. for you? Well, that's very true. I, I remember speaking to Lance Justice recently, and I'm sure it was smoking up. We were mm. at Yarra Glen one day, and I saw this horse, Lance had this horse first up at I'm sure it was pretty sure it was Yarra Glen, and he went round, and it turned out to be smoking up, you know. And you sort of think, well, those sort of horses don't come along every day. Um, he was an absolute champion. Shaker Maker was the same for John. He was just a brilliant horse. Um, I've been lucky enough to work at, I think it's five Inter Dominions, and and been to other Inter Dominions, of course. But it's it's just, I just get it. I still get a thrill to go to those big days like Breeders' Crown Day and Super Sires and. Things like that, I still get a thrill to see those up-and-coming horses and, and the, then the good horses that are still out there racing. It's still a, it's, um, it's still a thrill to go and see those horses go round, yes. Smoking them up, I won a C2 at Yarra Glen, uh, and it paid $2.10. The horse that ran second was also well, a ragged, right. old, yeah. ragged old flag that never won another race. He probably should have gone no, around right. $1.04. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, and you know, you see these horses and they stand out to you. And yeah, he was probably already going to be a good horse, but he he just stood out that day as being a super horse, you know, and 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 turned out to be one. So yeah, um, yeah you see those. Um, my mum always had a had a saying because mum would have fifty cents on a horse, you know, whenever she went to the trots, which was very very infrequent. And she'd always say, your father's the worst tipster in the world um, because as a steward, you watch your race. You don't watch your horse. Yeah. Um, and I always remember that. But 
but he was one that sort of, that really stood out that day. I'll never forget that day. He, he and as I say, he turned out to be a superstar, which we were and, very lucky to have at the time. And your relationship with Lance, like I'm just looking at ages, you would have nearly grown up with him in South Australia. Well, yeah, Dad. I always remember Lance told me that Dad interviewed him for his license. He gave him his oh, life. Um, <laughs> yeah. We grew up. We we all grew up really in the same area. Ross Sugars was on, was up the road. Chris Chris uh, Chris Lewis was up the road. Jeffrey Webster, um, Ronald Webster. Uh, we all lived within probably five k's of each other until until Ross Lennon Ross went out to um, um, out past Globe Derby. But um, we all lived within probably four or five k's of each other as, as young kids or young teenagers. You moved so, to Victoria um, and, and know, they all followed you. And, and they all followed, yeah. Well, Chris went to Perth, of course. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. He went to Perth and, and really made a name for himself over there. But, um, yes, I came to Victoria. And then and, and Jeffrey Webster, he was up. He, he was, I don't know if the Jeffrey or Lance was the first one or who was the first one to come. But then they all sort of ended up over here in Victoria. 100%. Barry, uh, I've loved catch it up with you. We, I'm sure there's a lot more stories we could go into, but uh, we don't need to go into the scallywag stories behind the doors in the stewarding room. And uh, great to hear a bit about your story. And I think this over the next three or four weeks, I haven't worked out what other stewards uh, will get on, but I think a series of three or four weeks because it's a real integral part of the sport. And it's a great way of seeing so many great horses over so many years as well, up close and personal. And, and, the harness people are such good people as well. Yeah, they're grassroots people. You, you won't meet yeah. better people than harness people. Um, and I, I'm so looking forward to the Inter Dominion, and I'm so happy the Inter Dominion's gone back to the old format. I, I think the three heats and final is is just brilliant. I reckon we could run it at Wavell around the 500 metre track, Barry, and uh, make things real interesting again. Oh yeah. I still remember being there by the concrete stand and see Richmond last win the end of the million. I think it was 1968, 69, I think it was. Um, yep, yep. Just like it was yesterday, unfortunately, but it wasn't yesterday. No, it's a little yeah. while ago no, now. I don't, I don't recall that, but I, I know Les Chapman talks about it regularly. He was there as well. as uh, He was a stable hand, I think, for oh, Richmond last. And yeah, yeah. Jack Moore, but, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yep. Baz, love you, mate. Thanks right. so much for coming on. It's been a wonderful half an hour, and uh, I look forward to seeing you maybe at Cranbourne on Sunday night. You will. Thank you, Toby. It's been a pleasure. There's Thank Barry Delaney, HRV steward, and, well, he's a, he truly is a legend of the sport. You could survey 100 participants, and they would give Barry a 10 out of 10, all of them. I have no doubt he's just such a respected and gentle person of the sport. I got a feeling if he ha- if he really had to be stern, he'd be pretty stern behind those doors. I don't I don't uh, have to experience that, thank God, or see that side of the stewards. But uh, yeah, what a what a what a lovely man he is, and and absolutely fantastic to have him on. And uh, thank God uh, we weren't on that plane trip <laughs> up to Nyer and back. That didn't sound very enjoyable whatsoever. JD. Let's get a break away, my friend. We've got the news to get in. Uh, We'll come back the other side, have a quick chat, and then uh, we've got to get another break away as well. So it'll be the news, a quick chat, a break, and then Bradley Cross in the last half an hour, and we'll talk down under Barkers and Brad's return to the sport.